Welcome to The Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, rumors, and speculation. This week, I'll be covering the Game Awards 2023, my Avatar Frontiers of Pandora review, the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer, and much more. A few things before we get started. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment down below. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and leave a review on Spotify or iTunes. A special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, including Hassan, YouTubes, Neuronix, PK, Cage Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel or become a member on YouTube. Gaming news, the Game Awards 2023. Um, So what I'm going to do is talk about the winners, talk about the announcements, and then give my take on the show and some stuff that has been getting talked about with it. So jumping right into it, um, I'm going to skip some of the Uh, categories that I just kind of don't care about if I have to be totally honest uh, to just get through um, and and be able to commentate a little bit on these things. Um, The overall uh, conversation is that Baldur's Gate 3 kind of wiped the floor. Um, Alan Wake 2 was surprisingly successful and um, Spider-Man was a no-show even though it got nominated seven times. Uh, So multiplayer game of the year was Baldur's Gate 3. This category was weird. Um, If you remember last week, I talked about this. And none of the games besides, I guess, Street Fighter VI, I even really considered multiplayer games. But I guess Baldur's Gate 3 is a multiplayer game. I I know it has co-op, and you can play it with a group. But I just don't think of games like that as multiplayer. But it won, so who cares? Uh, Sports, uh, the the best sports game uh, was Forza Motorsport. The competition was pretty slim. Um, I thought maybe EA's um, soccer game was going to win uh, in that just because it's pretty popular. And this is the first year um, they've not had the FIFA branding. And there, there was some hope that uh, or, or some thought that, you know, they would get congratulated for continuing the success uh, even without that branding. Nope, it was Forza Motorsport. And I think it's pretty well deserved. That game is very, very good. Um, RPG of the year was pretty easy to guess, in my opinion, was Baldur's Gate 3. There's also an argument that there weren't really many RPGs on this list. Um, you know, Final Fantasy 16 is a very good game, but it's arguable that it's not really a true RPG at this point. Uh, but it didn't matter because Baldur's Gate won it. Uh, action game of the year was Armored Core 6. I have not played this. But I've seen enough people who I trust talk about it um, that this sounds like the right choice, um, even though uh, I would have personally picked um, some other games that were on there. Uh, the community of the year was Baldur's Gate 3. Again, another win for them. Um, this makes sense. They, they do a really, really good job of highlighting the members of their community, both in like cosplay and videos and music and art uh, as well as interacting with the community uh, very candidly and often. So uh, I thought that was a good choice. Uh, debut indie was Cocoon. Um, it, that's a game I checked out, and it's very cool. Um, it just wasn't really my style. So I moved on fairly quickly from it, but I get why it won. It's very good. Um, indie game of the year was Sea of Stars, um, another game I checked out and bounced off of. Um, 
I need to go back to that. Supposedly it gets really, really good. I was just trying to play it right after I had done my second Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough and Starfield, which I spent over 100 hours in. And I think I just wasn't really in for another uh, RPG yet. But uh, that time may be coming. Uh, ongoing game of the year with Cyberpunk 2077. I've talked a lot about this already. I think this is an awful award for them. Um, I think you shouldn't get rewarded for finishing a game after three years. That's not ongoing support. That's just making the game what it was supposed to be at launch. Um, I, 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 you know, the, some of the high ups at CDPR are still being dishonest about the state of the game when it came out. Um, fairly recently, they, you know, some people from their company had come out and said that the game was actually in really good shape when it came out. Uh, it's just, you know, reviewers and people on the internet dogged it too much. And it's just, um, I just have no respect for CDPR. Um, Cyberpunk 2077 has gotten better since launch. I think that's undeniable. Um, I also think that it's been overrated pretty heavily and there's been a big circle jerk around it in that. It's improved a lot. It's still not the game that they said it was going to be, even today. And it's still kind of a mile wide and inch deep. Um, I'm glad they've improved it. I don't hate the game. I just think it's okay. And um, I, I just really hate how it's been, you know, very cleansed of uh, of, of its sins, you know. Um, it, especially when you've got games like Fortnite and No Man's Sky who should probably win this award every year in my opinion um seeing cyberpunk 2077 get it after you know because they fixed their game after three years and because they put out one dlc that is very good by all accounts but they were supposed to have multiple dlc they were supposed to have multiplayer support uh, and they cut all of that stuff and now they're ending support of the game for the most part, no new DLC. They are still putting out substantial patches to fix the game up and add some features, but I just, I don't think this game deserved that award, and I'm bummed that they won it, if you want me to be honest. Um, oh well, it happens. Uh, performance of the year was by Neil Newbon, uh, who is a Starian in Baldur's Gate 3, very well deserved. A character I actually dislike a lot in the game, um, both because I hate the way that they come off at the beginning. Uh, and then in my second playthrough, I actually played through their entire arc, uh, which a lot of people love and endear Asterion for uh, when you finish their arc. Um, while I understand why people feel bad for them after discovering Asterion's whole history, I don't. I think Asterion's an awful, awful, awful being. And uh, just because they've gotten better or their influence has changed, uh, by the end of the game or by the end of that arc, uh, the things they did were unforgivable. And uh, I hate that character, actually. But Neil Newbon is a fantastic voice actor. Um, if you can ever catch uh, the most of the voice uh, cast of Baldur's Gate 3 has done some live D&D um, playthroughs as their characters, and they are so good. They are so entertaining and um, Neil really stands out, especially in those uh, those live playthroughs. So, well-deserved, really happy that um, he won that. It was great. Um, best audio design actually went to Hi-Fi Rush. My pick for this, I think it was Dead Space uh, or even Alan Wake 2. But Hi-Fi Rush got it. 
to me, this felt a little bit like a, hey, you aren't going to win the big awards, but we'll give you this one, um, even though its soundtrack is fantastic. And even just the sound, uh, the music in general is so good in that game. Uh, it's deserved. Uh, narrative of the year uh, went to Alan Wake 2. Um, I, I think that's very well deserved. Um, I personally maybe would have preferred other ones, but it seems I haven't finished Alan Wake 2 yet. Um, but it seems like this was a well-deserved one. Um, this one had Spider-Man 2 in the category. Um, I've talked about this on my Discord and in some private areas. Um, that seems like it was generally the biggest complaint about Spider-Man 2 was the narrative. So it was so weird to me that it got nominated here. Um, I think Spider-Man, um, and, and we see it in the results, Spider-Man 2 is a good game. Um, Insomniac is crazy uh, with how quickly they put out good games. I don't think it's like a masterpiece game, though. And when you see it get nominated seven times but win zero awards, um, that 50-50 seems like it's it was the only real PlayStation new game this year. So there is a little bit of that influence of people being like, well, PlayStation puts out really good games, which they do. So we got to award this game because it's the one they put out. And it reviewed well. But there's also, like I think, like a recency bias thing there where... It's still fresh. People still, man, I really did enjoy that game. And even if it maybe didn't quite live up to the standard of these other ones, it was still there. But I think the fact that it won no awards kind of backs up that maybe it didn't deserve to be in all of those spots. But it doesn't really matter now. Uh, game direction uh, of the year was Alan Wake 2 again. Um, this was uh, pretty exciting for me. Um, I thought this was a, a pretty good pick. Um, this is one where I thought that it could have gone to Tears of the Kingdom, especially if that wasn't going to win Game of the Year. Game Direction almost seems like a respectful second place award, uh, but it went to Alan Wake 2, and I think that was well-deserved. At this point in the show, I was like, holy crap, Alan Wake 2 may have the juice to win Game of the Year. Uh, and then that got announced. Game of the Year 2023 it was Baldur's Gate 3. Not really surprising at all. It, it, it took you know the gaming world by storm this year. Um, what was so funny about it is that the uh, the speech uh, was so rushed due to Keeley, which we'll talk about, um, and the uh, Sven, who's the head of Larian, the studio who made the game, was so flabbergasted that he forgot to mention that they were shadow dropping Baldur's Gate three this night. Um, as of the award being given out uh, on the Xbox, um, which it had not been out on yet. Uh, it was so funny that news came out after the show was over. So I just, um, it was cool. It's well-deserved. I fluttered a little bit through the year on what my game of the year was. I settled on Baldur's Gate 3. It, it's the one that deserved it the most. Um, I think that Alan Wake 2 probably comes in as my number two and then Starfield is three and then Jedi Survivor is four um you know a great year for gaming for me and then I'd probably put like maybe Diablo four as number five just a wildly good year for games um just so fun uh so many good games to play and I'm sure I'm even forgetting a few I really liked so with the announcements um I'm not gonna hit all of them but I'll hit the ones that um kind of meant the most to me um the Hellblade 2 trailer came out. Um, it's really funny that um, this hasn't really had as much attention after the show as I expected. 
um, because I thought it was a really good trailer and it finally showed some gameplay and what we should actually expect to see from uh, the game. It looks like it's going to be something similar to the first game, but, but better, right? So people talk about how the combat in the first game was kind of samey and basic. I personally really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun combat, but I get what people have said about it. They seem to be hinting to some more complicated, you know, it, it being a little more complicated, a little bit more in depth in the combat. Um, and then just the visuals of this game, just they're obviously going to be so striking. Um, I really can't wait for Hellblade 2. And they gave it a year, 2024, but not a date. So I hope that comes out sooner than later. I really expected a date, but I'm sure we'll get that. Um, my guess is we'll have an Xbox uh, showcase in January or February, and I bet we get a date then. Uh, God of War Ragnarok announced a free DLC um, that is basically kind of like a roguelite mode, um, and it brings back a bunch of enemies from the early God of War games, it appears. Um, this is really cool. Um, after the recent fiasco of The Last of Us 2 remaster, um, I was amazed when they announced that this was going to be a free DLC. Um, this is something I would have 100% expected PlayStation to charge 15 or 20 bucks for because their players will pay it. And um, in some of the discussions I saw on other podcasts about this, I saw people be on the, and this comes out in like a couple of days. By the time you listen to this, the DLC is probably out. I, I believe it's the 12th of December. Um, I saw some people saying like, oh, this is like a holdover for Ragnarok DLC. I, I think this is actually probably means that there is no DLC for Ragnarok. Um, because Ragnarok already was DLC. Am I right? I'm just kidding. Uh, kind of, I'm like 75% kidding. Um, yeah, I, I suspect that whatever their big neck, the, was that Santa Monica, their next big project is, I bet they're going to start cracking on that. Um, I would not expect more DLC. We had uh, Jeff Keighley's best friend Kojima showed up with Jordan Peele announcing a game that they are putting out called OD. Um, they just showed off some like you know really impressive renderings of people's faces and animations and stuff. I believe this is that place uh, the Xbox exclusive game that um, Kojima is supposed to be working on. Um, and you know they didn't really show much. Uh, Kojima got probably more time than anyone to speak. Uh, of course, because he's Jeff's um, best friend forever. And, um, you know, this was kind of a nothing burger, honestly. Uh, but it's still cool seeing Kojima work on stuff. Um, though, honestly, I have <clears throat> I have realized I may not really care about anything Kojima makes uh, unless he and, um, you know, uh, Konami can ever work out their differences and make another Metal Gear Solid game. Um, but we'll see. I could be, uh, I could have my mind changed. Uh, Arcane announced that they are making a Blade game of the Marvel franchise. Um, people were pretty hyped about this. Uh, for the type of game that they've described it being in very vague details, um, it seems like it'd be perfect for Arcane. The visual style of the trailer they showed, if that's what the game is going to be, is a Spider-Man, um, Spider-Verse uh, movie. Uh, it's that similar style of... Uh, animation and graphics uh it, this could be really really cool they've already confirmed it's a third person action adventure game um so you know it, it may not be spider-man but 
you know they could do some fun stuff with this and what's interesting about blade um there, there is a movie coming for that which makes sense um but to a point spider-man is a little played out at this point like like we've seen so many versions of it i think it'll be cool to see um you know a, a franchise that probably has less uh, stardom and fandom um get the attention like this from a big triple a dev um and to kind of see what they can do with it skull and bones gets another release date february 16th 2024 we'll see i i'll believe it when i see it um i just they just need to get this game out <laughs> uh, maybe it'll come out and blow people away i highly 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 doubt it but i don't know it's just funny to see this keep showing up uh exodus uh was uh, debuted and shown um and this is by a brand new studio i believe it's archetype entertainment um and the the big notable thing about it at least for people who listen to me i assume is that this is being made by former naughty dog devs and it has the writer um drew Carpassion. um i'm sure i said his last name wrong i'm sorry uh who is the writer of mass effect one and two and i believe most of the the trilogy books um for the mass effect series uh very highly regarded game writer um it is a little funny that in the Mass Effect community, he's so heralded that basically people, you can tell, write off anything that isn't going to be done by him, even the next game. Um, you know, you can blame Mac Walters for that, I think. Um, I, I don't know what Drew has done since Mass Effect 2 and his books. Um, I'm sure he's had a prolific career otherwise. Um, but I just... This Exodus game has really strong Mass Effect vibes. It definitely seems like it's going to have, you know, even to the point where the trailer had things that looked like Omni Blades and the armor looked a lot like Mass Effect armor. Um, my hesitancy here is that new studios that try to jump straight to AAA projects that are highly ambitious don't have a great track record. And you can look at like the Callisto Protocol. Um, who was made by a lot of the devs and the, the creator of Dead Space. And it kind of came out with a, a fluff and ended up not being very good. Um, and, and, and it was a lot of a lot of it seemed like they just bit off more than they could chew. So I'm really curious to how this plays out for Exodus. Um, a lot of the materials they've put out already, uh, the, the cinematics and, and some of the lore building videos have been excellent, though. It's very interesting. So... We will have to wait and see. Uh, we also saw Jurassic Park Survival by Saber Interactive. Um, this is a really interesting game. It looks like it's, uh, and they've even said, it's basically the alien isolation kind of survival horror game, um, but with Jurassic Park. In the original park, after the events of the original movie, uh, you're a, a scientist or someone who was left behind, and you're going to have to try to get off the island and it's going to, you know, all of the th references we've seen from the movie are going to be still there because this is taking place right after the events of the movie. And uh, I'm very excited to see how that plays out. That looked very good. Um, I want to call out the first Berserker. Uh, just, I, I have, it looks like, I think it's like a Souls game or something. I have very little interest in that genre. 
But this game's aesthetic was one of the prettiest things I've ever seen. Because what it was was essentially a photorealistic or a very realistic aesthetic environment with these anime-ish kind of cartoony but extremely detailed characters and NPCs in the game that just had these beautiful animations and just it worked it looked so good and that's a game where like I may never actually get into it but I'll be paying attention to it just to see more about it it looked so good then we had the aftermath and kind of my overall thoughts of everything um a lot of people were hoping that Jeff or someone who was on the show would um, commentate on some of the issues going on in the world. Um, people, you know, were hoping that they would comment, commentate, I think, again on the Ukraine war like they did before. I believe they did before with um, the they did a trailer for oh the Chernobyl game. Of course, I'm not going to remember it now that we're on here. It's been delayed. Stalker, too. Um, I believe they did that video last year, and it was really, really cool, um, knowing that that dev has, like, lost developers who were, you know, went to war and died. Um, people were hoping that we would hear, you know, at least some commentary on the Palestine-Israel conflict. Um, and then, you know, closer to the gaming sphere, um, commentary on all the layoffs this year. Um I would have loved to hear at least just some awareness brought up on all those things. Um, the, the war stuff, I think, I guess I kind of understand why they would stay away from that. But to me, it's just kind of unforgivable to not even mention the state of all the layoffs and stuff like that this year. Um, I, I think people need to get over this, this myth or this um, idea that Jeff is this like, king of the gamers thing where people need to start realizing what I think has been true ever since I've heard of him is that he's, you know, he's, he's friends with all of the CEOs. He's friends with the corpos. Um, if he started a cyberpunk 2077 playthrough, he'd be a corpo. Like I get that he tries to be transparent and interactive and that's really cool. But I think sometimes people mistake, this high opinion that um, journalists and content creators and podcasters, the big ones, who all tend to have a pretty sunny outlook on Jeff, they kind of mistake that for him having a connection with the players, which I don't think is true. Um, I, I think that he, you know, we definitely know where his loyalties lie, um, and it is not with players and fans, um, but with the people who make sure he can, you know, pay for these shows. Um, you know, without, you know, making this podcast inappropriate for, you know, family use or, or listening. Um, he's a, he's a star effer, um, is the way I've heard him describe multiple times. And it very much works the way that you see, um, these, you know, the way he just desperately tries to get as many famous people on these shows as he can, you know, in one way, maybe he's doing it for the optics. So people notice the show. Um, okay. Uh, but it also seems like he just enjoys rubbing elbows with people who would typically never give him a second thought. So um, if you don't know, um, he, he comes from a family where like his dad invented the IMAX system. Um, and so he has always kind of rubbed elbows with a bunch of powerful people in Hollywood, um, even through his family. And so there's some kind of nepotism feelings there where it seems like he's trying to kind of continue that, uh, but via the gaming world. And to me, it's just weird because it seems like he's so desperate to get like legitimacy in that world, in the film world, um, instead of just 
being okay with trying to gain legitimacy within the gaming world where like i understand from an optic standpoint you know film and hollywood has all this gravitas but as an industry gaming just wipes the floor with film and so it's like kind of weird that the the dominant industry is still desperately trying to get the approval of the industry it it has mostly supplanted at this point um obviously they both coexist but i just don't think many people realize that gaming uh, has pretty significantly surpassed film especially in the last three years that goes along with the whole idea that people were upset that um it, it seems like the winners of the awards were given basically about 30 seconds uh, to give a speech. Seems like a bit of an overcorrection after last year when the God of War voice actor went on for almost eight minutes. Um, obviously, they can't do that for every award, uh, but only giving people like 30 seconds or a minute uh, to give their speeches. Even the game of the year um, is just insane to me. And then the fact that like there's a bunch of stupid awards I think they should just get rid of. The esports and like no one cares about those awards. Just get rid of them. Um, and they only, and they even did them during a pre-show, not even during the actual show, but there was like significant big awards that they gave out just listing off like five awards and winners at a time, not bringing them up to the stage, not letting them give a speech, literally just listing off some of these, you know, quote unquote, more important, uh, awards, just listing them off like they were a grocery list and moving on so he could put his friends and his stars on the stage or run more ads for crappy mobile games. It's just, um, it was really frustrating. And, um, I've seen a lot of people being like, well, maybe he'll do better next year. We say that every single year and what I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's going to double down. He's going to go even harder. He's not, you know what he's going to do next year. He'll give people like 60 seconds for their speeches. He'll probably cut down the number of awards that are given on stage and he'll pump more ads in and, um, and bring more stars on who can talk as long as they want. Uh, the Kojima thing, he had Anthony Mackie come on who I like Anthony Mackie. I think he's a fun actor. I like him in his role in the Marvel movies and stuff like that. But he, he did some weird crap for five minutes when there were winners of these big and, you know, supposedly important awards who didn't even get to walk up to the stage, you know, they could have done, they could have done five awards in the time that Anthony Mackie acted weird during his announcement of whatever award he was announcing. I just, um, very odd. Um, same with they had McConaughey on who I actually kind of enjoyed his little segment, but, um, even though he was there to show off a game, he's voice acting in, but the trailer for the game never had his voice in it. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I just, I've always been very critical of Keeley. Um, it's not necessarily just because of, um, I, I think, the Summer Game Fest and the Game Awards, and especially the Gamescom opening night shows, are all like extremely mediocre. Um, and that would be okay, except that he is so like, He's so snarky, uh, Jeff, and he's so like just kind of toxic about like he always brings up E3 and kind of craps on it. And like like this year when they canceled the E3 that they were going to do or anytime E3 announces anything, he'll immediately, you know, use all of his accounts 
to be like, like, like E3 may say, Hey, we're coming back next summer. And then all of the accounts he controls will be like summer game fest on this day, blah, blah, blah. And everyone does the whole like, Oh, Jeff's so he's so mean. Like, and it's not even that, like you can tell it's like an inferiority complex thing because the summer, summer game fest will never be as good as even bad E3, you know, even 2019 E3 summer game fest will never be that good or important. Um, and what people forget, I think, about E3 is that E3 wasn't necessarily one thing. And yes, all trailers are ads, but E3 didn't have straight up commercials. If you watch the the game awards, he 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 transitions the show and says, after these uh, after these ads, we'll come back with more awards. But he's acting like he's on a TV network that's showing commercials because they have to but he's not this is his show he's deciding to do this and i understand that he has to pay the bills and this is a big expensive production i have no doubt but he is pretending like i I can't help it we i have to do these ads instead of i don't know do a show that you can actually pay for uh do a show that is sustainable do a show that actually focuses on the awards or just get rid of the awards like let that be its own little separate show and then just do a game showcase in December. Um, it's, it's very weird. It, it's very odd. Um, I, I, it's so odd to me that so many people really seem to just love Jeff as much as they do. Um, I suspect it's a lot of people just being worried about, you know, getting shut out. Um, that, you know, I suspect if Jeff doesn't like you, that gets around. Um, and, you know, you can obviously count out a lot of, uh, you know, involvement in other things i'm sure um it's something i posted about and it's due to a recent situation i've dealt with in the last few months um the game industry like the commentator podcaster you know personality circle is really small um if you pay attention long enough you'll you'll find that you know the majority of the people that you hear about um who are the quote-unquote popular uh, personalities and, and so on, the journalists and uh, podcasters and content creators, all this in the gaming sphere is, is a few dozen people and they don't want you to be part of that group. If you're a content creator, you, you are, you know, you, they do not want you there because that there's not room for many people, uh, you know, to be in this, in this space and, um, and you're not wanted. <laughs> and so, um, I think this is definitely a part of that, you know, I, I just, it's interesting. I, I think the, the game awards is a good idea. Um, I understand that they can't go a hundred percent in on awards because no one will watch and it won't be sustainable. But I've seen a lot of people saying that and being like, well, if it's all about the awards, no one's going to watch. Like they can do both. He can do both. There's nothing stopping him besides, what I would likely call out is greed is that if, if he does a show that doesn't have as many ads and doesn't have as many paid, you know, advertisements, he won't make as much money. If he comes out and says, Hey guys, I have to do all this. i I barely break even on this then. Okay. Sure. Especially if you show the proof. Okay, fine. Like that's fair. Something tells me he's not just breaking even on these shows. I, I suspect he's, you know, 
making out really well from these shows and it's his job and that's his right and that's fine but as people continue to notice that things are only getting worse and they are not getting better with these shows and the way that they're handled and their focus you know that that i think becomes a bigger point but i don't know i'll probably watch again next year you know just uh just like all the other people complaining right now you know, it, it, the, the funniest part is the number of people I've seen being like, man, they really need to do better next time who were at the show and have been at the show every year they could be and who pay for tickets and who hype him up and hype up the show. And then they'll be like, ah, they should give more time to the devs. And then 10 months from now, they're going to be like, Game Awards, Game Awards, I'll be there. Anyone else going to be there? Like, I just think it's funny. Hey, moving on to some other news uh, under PlayStation. Uh, they are removing some Discovery TV content uh, due to a license expiring um, and not offering any refunds or anything. This happens. I, I'm pretty mixed on it. I, I think the good guy move would be to do refunds on stuff that people paid for and can no longer access uh, due to a uh, license or, or whatever that's expiring. At the same time, you know, should they really be expected to do that? This is just kind of one of those realities of as we move to a more fully digital media sphere, these things are going to happen often. And it's why I'm so reluctant to ever actually pay for something straight up and not just pay for a streaming service because I hate the idea of buying a movie. And then one day that platform loses the license for that movie and it's just gone, even though I paid for it just like a DVD, because if the DVD company loses the license for that DVD, I still have the DVD. I put it in my system. It still works. Right. So I, I get that. And that's kind of a tough spot. Um, and then supposedly rumors are that due to recent issues at Bungie with destiny two, um, and, and their content that they've had, that was a bit lackluster. Um, there is a concern that Sony may end up, uh, taking over full leadership, uh, over Bungie. Um, and actually putting it under PlayStation instead of Sony and making it another one of their first party studios. Um, this would likely mean that games like Marathon would probably not be cross-platform as they're supposed to be. Um, even though with the way things are going over at Bungie, um, I suspect Marathon is a sure bet to come out. We'll have to wait and see how that works out though and, and where you can even play it. So. Bungie is, is an interesting developer because they, they make these great games. They have the history with Halo, um, but they've really had this kind of tumultuous life where they left Xbox and then they went to Activision and then they left Activision and now they're at Sony and it seems like they just aren't ever comfortable anywhere they are as a studio, uh, but they can't make it work as a indie studio because it's, I'm sure Destiny 2 is, in, in any of their projects, are so expensive. It's a very large studio. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Bungie. Um, I don't have any Xbox or Nintendo news this week. Um, we did get the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer. Um, it looked stunning. It looked amazing. Um, I suggest you check out the Digital Foundry video on it, where they point out that it was probably running in 1440p at 30 FPS when they rendered it. Um, they show off a bunch of things that seem to imply that the trailer may be from the engine um, and, and be like to the point of being like basically uh, gameplay um, because of a bunch of uh, artifacts and stuff they see in the rendering is that this wasn't just a straight up CGI trailer. 
this was almost certainly from the game engine, you know, for whatever that means. So I thought it looked great. I love Grand Theft Auto. While I didn't really get into five, I did really like Vice City and that's where this game takes place. So it'll be fun to see how they do a, a modern rendering of that since the last one was in the eighties or set then. And, um, they put out that it's supposed to be released in 2025 on consoles. Uh, that's an interesting tidbit because when Grand Theft Auto V came out, it took two more years for it to come out on PC, and we very well may see that again with this game. I, I saw like the PC, you know, gaming subreddit getting all mad about this. PC gaming is big and it's growing and that's really cool, but there's still just there's still there's just so so many console players you just you have to respect that demographic and it's an easier demo to design a game for because at least right now you have the series x the series s and the ps5 and those are the three platforms you have to make your game work well on as opposed to with pc there's literally millions of combinations of hardware that you have to try to make sure your game will work with it doesn't it's hard so there it is. I'm excited about Grand Theft Auto 6. And we'll uh, see that in a couple years. Uh, there's a new Dragon Age Dreadwolf teaser trailer. Um, December 4th was Dragon Age Day. Uh, because the, the D4 kind of looks like a DA. I, I guess that's the impression I'm under at least. Um, and basically it was a little tiny trailer that did show um, what appeared to be in-game environments. And then it ended with an announcement that they will be doing a full reveal of the game in summer of 2024. So I'm going to guess around like Summer Game Fest or if they do like an EA Play again. Um, and it, this is cool. It's exciting. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about it with Dreadwolf how I want it to come out so I know that they can start moving devs over to Mass Effect. Uh, if they're doing a full reveal in, you know, say June of next year, I would anticipate the game to come out three to six months after that. So by the end of 2024, uh, or as early as, you know, the late summer, early fall of 2024. And then I would say by the end of 2024, early 2025, they start working on Mass Effect, which starts, you know, depending on the scale of a game that Mass Effect is going to be, you start looking at, you know, 2027, you know, 2028, or even the, Jeff Grubb 2029 as potential release dates for that game, uh, depending on how things go and how big of a project that is. So I'm excited to get Dreadwolf information next year, um, and I'll be excited to check that game out and kind of see what Bioware is up to in the modern gaming era. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora came out this, uh, this week, and uh, I was lucky enough to get an early access code for review purposes. Uh, and I did a in-progress review. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, you just search for Bond Diesel. Um, I did a review on it and um, kind of like an in-progress review. I think I'm like halfway through the game. Um, I do want to finish it and do a proper full review or at least a like review of the entire game, including story, which I didn't do this time. Um, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, probably the prettiest game I've ever played and the most visually impressive game I've ever played. Uh, the soundscape and the sound design, same. It's just, it's really, really, really nice. Um, the gameplay is pretty good, if not a bit samey and repetitive. I have to admit that I 
you know, kind of got a little bored as time went on, even though I haven't finished the game, uh, which could change that. Um, and the story from what I've seen so far is pretty lackluster. Um, the human voice acting and appearance isn't great, but the Navi look really good. Most of their voice acting is incredible. Um, the main things for me is for a game that was in development as long as Avatar has been, I think it's weird that it's so shallow with a lot of its stuff. You know, your dialogue, you don't choose anything. You have a voice protagonist that speaks for you uh, on a very linear um, story uh, route. Um, I just, I, I wish it was like a true RPG with choices and consequences and relationships and things like that. But instead we have this, what feels like a, a pretty linear experience, which is fine. I just think it could have been better. Uh, speaking of could have been better, the day before finally releases on Steam, the the Last of Us, the Division clone, Daisy, whatever, has finally come out, and it currently, as of the recording of the show, has a 17% approval rating on Steam with a overwhelmingly negative review score. Um, I watched some streams of this, and it's exactly what I think everyone who was really paying attention expected. The the graphics are janky. The game doesn't work right. You can hardly get into servers. When you get in, you find this very simple extraction game, which is funny because they marketed it as an MMO, but it's definitely not an MMO. And it's to the point where apparently Fantastic, who's the developer, is going through and like deleting videos that mention the MMO features because it's not happening. They've turned this game into a extraction shooter which is fine, but then when you see the gameplay and the shooting and the way that everything works, it's just so half-assed. Like, it looks like a game that was inspired by Tarkov and The Division seven years ago. So, you know, I, I think this was expected. I'm kind of glad that it came out. I guess that is an accomplishment, but it also, you know, kind of in a petty way, makes me happy that it came out as a complete crap show especially after seeing so many um, Division creators and fans really be like, oh, this is going to be the game that the, the Division always wanted to be. It's like, I bet it's not. I bet it's going to be really bad shovelware, and you should probably not buy it for sure or even download it, but that's just my take. Uh, the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League um, developers have announced that there will be a story mode uh, released after launch. Um, for a lot of people who are kind of scared, of the Suicide Squad game and it being a looter shooter or a games as a service that doesn't put enough focus on the story. It seems like this move is like an offline, more story focused version of the game. And I'm down for that because the game looks so good. I think it's caught a lot of crap just as part of like a circle jerk that people just, um, it's just become popular to dunk on Suicide Squad. Um, may maybe it's going to be terrible. I have no idea, but I don't think we've seen enough yet to be like, to completely dismiss it. And I really wish people would stop, you know, parodying the opinions of clickbaity or sensational YouTubers and content creators and entertainers. Uh, you know, they, you know, think for yourself, you know, take their info, run it through your own filter and go from there. And then finally, Starfield announces that they have crossed 12 million players. Uh, Starfield is in such a weird spot where you have, you know, every week someone posts on Twitter or Reddit about the uh, the Steam approval rating has dropped down to whatever. Um, players are dropping off the game. Uh, some mod creator for Skyrim 
uh, who makes multiplayer mods said the game said Starfield is so awful that that they're not even going to continue their multiplayer project on it, even though that person apparently uh, is a giant piece of crap and shouldn't be taken seriously no matter what. Still, that's what they said, so we'll run with it. Um, I still very fondly look back at my hundred plus hours with Starfield. Um, I really think Starfield should have been nominated for. Um, the soundtrack award, the game awards, because it's soundtrack and it's, you know, even the ambient music and stuff is just so good. Um, I, I'm excited to play another playthrough of Starfield and to do it knowing more about how the game plays, as well as waiting for the, the creation kit to come out so people can do proper mods to the game, as well as DLC that they've said is coming as well. And that's all I have for the news. Uh, for listener questions, um, if you have your own questions or topics, be sure to ask in my Discord in the YouTube comments or hit me up over on Twitter at Bondiesel. Um, the questions this week come from Master Prime. Uh, the first one is: Do you think Baldur's Gate three is uh, Baldur's Gate four is happening, and when? I, I would say almost certainly. There's no way that that game hasn't been hilariously profitable for Wizards of the Coast and for Larian. Um, especially knowing now that Larian is actually backed up by Tencent and likely got a pretty big uh, chunk of development money um, for that reason or for that project. Uh, so hopefully they've made enough money that it's a no-brainer to do Baldur's Gate 4. Though, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go back and do one of their own franchises again or if they even take on a completely new project. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying like, my God, Larian, give me a Mass Effect game in the Baldur's Gate 3 style. Like, give us a spinoff. That sounds so good, and I can't disagree. Uh, the second question from Master Prime is, how would you rate Xbox's performance in this year's Game Awards? It was fine. I think that Hellblade um, announced, or that Hellblade trailer was great. The Blade trailer uh, or announcement was really, really good, and nice to see that. Um, I think that... Uh, it would have been nice to see some of the other projects that we know are kind of hanging in the wind, um, like Perfect Dark, and if there's like a new Gears of War coming, but I think we're going to have to wait for either a January or even a summer showcase from Xbox uh, before we get too many more details on that stuff. Awesome questions. Uh, please uh, continue to ask uh, or propose topics in the ways I suggested. And that is where we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please let me know if you have any feedback or thoughts on the show. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel. Uh, and you can support my content by checking out patreon.com slash Bond Diesel. Join as a YouTube member here on YouTube. Subscribe over at Twitch. Or check out my merch at the Linktree link in the description below. That is all I have. So until next time. I'm going to go to the next one.